0: Hello and welcome to Musty Matches, the Essentials of Pro Wrestling, as nominated by you. I am Kieran Lefort and joining me as always the maestro behind Musty Matches, Mark Buckley. Mark, how are you doing this week?
1: I'm good, thanks. I've uh, as we're recording, I have the whole week off uh, because mm, I went went to a uh country home in uh the middle of nowhere, basically, uh where is best described as the upper class equivalent of someone that went around garage sales and car boot sales
0: i misread your tweet about it and i thought it was like an upper class kind of car boot sale and wondered if you were going to spend like two grand on a suit of armor or something and bring that home with you
1: basically because of the amount of people in the uk and like upper class families that had uh, lost people during world war one so many people got hit by inheritance tax he just went around estates and was like oh that's a nice suit of armor i'll take Mm. that off your hands have some cash
0: Mm. which you can then use to pay your inheritance tax
1: it's like he had a back bedroom with nine suits of samurai armor in
0: it good lord oh you should have got one
1: and he insisted uh on actually when he handed it over to national trust insisted oh yeah you can have it don't move anything so it's like (laughs) so it's like you can have like a stupid amount of stuff But it has to be in this order, which is why there's 25 bicycles in the loft.
0: (laughs) You've got to love an old British eccentric. Anyway, I'm great. Joining us this week to talk about the most recent uh, match we will be talking about on this show. The long-awaited return. Unfortunately, not wearing his own samurai armour. However, it is the bravest lion's honour. Palm Singh Man is back. It's great to have you back, Palm. How have you been for the past, I don't know, year?
2: Well, I started a promotion. I shut down that said promotion. (laughs) I'm relaunching said promotion. And I gained about 20 pounds, so big boy season, baby.
1: (laughs) I mean that that kind of sounds almost like the story of one PW in the UK.
0: (laughs) Palm Championship Wrestling Two Heavyweight Edition.
2: (laughs) I wish I could book like an AJ Styles Samoa Joe match. I I, (laughs) trail behind one PW for a while.
0: (laughs) No, you need to find you need to find British Columbia's best new talent. That should be that should be your goal. None of this Samoa Joe AJ Styles stuff.
2: I know. I've already done that. We have like literally the one school throughout the entire province uh, thankfully ah. so it's pretty
0: easy awesome so you're with us today to talk about brian danielson versus kenny omega from AEW dynamite grand slam at the arthur ash stadium in new york uh september 22nd 2021 hundred and seventy seven people in attendance uh to date AEW's biggest attendance uh mark and i will be helping them break that record uh in approximately one month When they uh, arrive at Wembley Stadium, but Palm, this match was on your list. So, without going into too much details, as we can obviously get into the nitty gritty of the match, like why is this must see for you?
2: There was a lot of because this is the most recent match on the list. There Mm. was a lot of recency bias, but there was something to the feeling, the emotion, the aesthetic, the pace that felt like a capital I important match. This felt like the type of match that should be canonized in Mm. history when we look back and think about. Best matches on Dynamite, accomplished. This should be like number one. The type of thing you can point a fan to be like, "This is motherfucking Brian Danielson. This is motherfucking Kenny Omega. I fucking love wrestling. This is AEW type stuff."
0: Yeah, yeah, I get it. It's like, why are you into AEW? Here, sit down for half an hour and watch this.
2: The electric crowd, uh, the pure energy, uh, less like the pure physicality. They're just something eye popping. That like, mm. it might not be like. My immediate first match for a new fan, but as soon as like they're familiar with wrestling, this type of thing, I'd be like, "Yeah, you know what wrestling is." Yeah, this is wrestling on overdrive.
1: When Palm said about recency bias, um, this was well the the nomination period was from January twenty twenty two to March, the end of March twenty twenty
0: two. So mm. this would this would have been what
1: less than five months yeah Since so the it, is not,
0: it is not the most recent match to get nominated that was nope. a match that happened a week before the uh the cutoff date however it is the wo- it is the most recent match to get enough votes to make it into the list we're talking about on the podcast
1: yeah uh it's also the third of four matches that we'll be covering from aew
0: mm. um how much more kenny omega and brian danielson do we have to go uh So we'll start with Kenny. Uh, He had 25 matches
1: nominated. Uh, This is the third of six that we'll be covering on the podcast Mm -hmm. and the first of his uh, two AEW matches that we'll be covering on this podcast.
0: Mm. I know what the other one is.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, For uh, Brian Danielson, apologies, I might call him Daniel Bryan in this, like I did the last time we covered (laughs) uh, a Danielson match.
0: Yeah, Um, I just let that go.
1: I couldn't be bothered. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He had 29 matches nominated in total, Uh, eight WWE, 21 as Brian Danielson. Uh, This is the second of uh, four, so he has two left. Mm Mm-hmm uh they're both ring of honor i think i said what they were in the last episode
0: feel free to go again for people who didn't uh didn't hear that yet
1: brian danielson versus kenta from ring of honor glory by honor 592 and brian danielson versus nigel McGuinness from
0: unified Uh,
1: aka watch this don't do what they did
0: (laughs) do as i say not (laughs) as i do yes Uh, and I'll, i'll say it once again relatively famously among our little circle, I've never seen that match, and I'm not going to until the week we do the podcast. I know what happens in it, but I've never never seen anything from it. So that'll be an exciting week. The
1: interesting thing is, uh, Danielson had five AEW matches nominated, Mm. uh, whereas Omega only had seven, considering that he was around for much earlier in the company.
0: If it's um, information that is quick for you to get to, yep. go ahead. But otherwise, don't worry about it. How many AEW matches got nominated? 24. I, that is information that I've got in my notes. <laughs> and considering that that promotion has not passed its fifth birthday yet, that's hmm. real impressive.
1: Yeah. I mean, it also shows a bit of recency. By I mean, hmm. as a bit of context, considering, as we said, the nomination was the first three months of 2022, There are two Rampage matches that got nominated, Mm. and both of them were Brian Danielson, Mm. which was the the Eddie Kingston and the Minoru Suzuki matches. Interesting.
0: Uh, So a bit of context for listeners from the future, uh, where AEW may have changed from what we see now or may not even exist anymore, we don't know. At this point in time, so the middle of 2021, AEW is a hot product. You are usually getting a four star match every week on Dynamite. They have just launched their second weekly TV show, Rampage. And in the last month, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, Christian Cage, Ruby Riot, Slash Soho, and returning to wrestling after seven years, CM Punk have all turned up. And all the signs are pointing towards this is the place to be. I think that this is one of the points where they kind of made WWE look and feel a bit old and tired. And like, this was the exciting product you should follow much. So pre-show Mark was, uh, we were having a quick discussion about uh, nitro. And at this point, this very much feels like a dynamite feels like the nitro to raws raw. <laughs> <laughs> it has varied in quality, I think. uh, But, AEW is the only weekly wrestling I watch anymore. I have no, no interest in WWE and it's largely thanks to like the quality of matches they were putting on Dynamite like from the get-go. And as I said like every week you get at least one match that was pay-per-view quality. So I was going to kind of treat this uh the way I treat pay-per-view matches with like the the four weeks of build-up beforehand. Um but Because this is Dynamite and things move a bit faster than that, and because um, Brian Danielson hasn't been in the company a month yet, um, I only watched the previous two episodes of Dynamite. So uh, September the 8th, uh, Wednesday, September the 8th, four days earlier, they've had their widely lauded all-out pay-per-view, which was frankly a phenomenal show. Just incredible quality up and down the card. And that culminated with the debuts of both Adam Cole and Brian Danielson. Uh, a good laugh I got out of this show. Excal- this was the week Excalibur went off to get married. So Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone and Taz collectively struggled with the concept of modern wrestling
2: between them. <laughs> oh,
0: Jesus. Uh, it, is,
2: it ain't good. Uh, I, I, I kind of love the old man new commentary team. Uh, I,
0: <laughs> I love some of the old man commentary team. Like Jim Ross can get in the bin. Have you played Fight Forever out of interest?
2: I have never played a wrestling video game before. Interesting.
0: Okay. Well, I've been playing this game a bit, and easily the worst part of it is Jim Ross, who is delivering his lines like he's got a gun to his head and somewhere (laughs) to be afterwards. He cannot be bothered. It is the laziest performance I think I've ever heard in a video game. And, like... If it wasn't, anybody other than Jim Ross would be hauled into an office, rakes over the coals, and sent back into the booth to redo it. He's horrific, and I hope the next big patch patches him out of the game and gives all his lines to Taz. He is dreadful. It's appalling. So, we don't get much build-up for this match. Um, What we get for it is a big promo with all the members of the elite, uh, including Adam Cole, and because they're consistently hanging around somewhere or other for a payday, Gallows and Anderson uh kenny complains about danielson interrupting him at the end of the pay-per-view uh and as he does so danielson's music interrupts him again and out comes brian uh kenny ushers everyone else out the ring and invites brian in and he's waffling up a preamble when uh dragon just swipes the mic out of his hand and asks the crowd very simply do you want to see brian danielson fight kenny omega and the place goes fucking bananas off-mic, Kenny says, it doesn't work like that round here, so Brian baits him, saying he's afraid to take the match because he knows he'll lose. Omega takes his hideous jacket off, so they're just two dudes in white T-shirts standing out there, uh, and takes a swing. Uh, Dragon Ducks gets the label lock on for a few seconds before Ken's goons swarm him. Uh, Jurassic Express, Christian Cage, and Frankie Kazarian hit the ring for the shave. Uh, the shave? No, very much the save. Uh, and poor old Brandon Cutler gets left behind and takes the Busaiku knee to end the segment. Next week it is September fifteenth, they're in New Jersey, at a show that was COVID delayed for a full year. So these people are rabid for some live AEW wrestling. Something I noted was uh, CM Punk is on commentary for this episode. The first half of it until Team Taz come out and beat him up later on. Um and it's is really that the funny. Send Hook
2: promo. Uh,
0: so Send Hook is the previous week. Uh, and this week, Hook gets sent. And while Hook and Taz are facing him down, Powerhouse Hobbs comes up from behind, clubs him in the back of the head, and choke slams him onto the, uh, onto the commentary desk.
2: Uh, I know this is the Brian era, but man, that Team Taz angle made them all look like stars. So. Yeah.
1: And it's kind of sad when you consider between then and now as we're recording it. How many different changes of manager uh, Powerhouse Hobbs has had? How many have fallen flat on their face?
0: Powerhouse Hobbs does not need a manager. Also, back in my day, the fast forward button was called the Duggan button. To me, (laughs) today, it's the QT Marshall button. I cannot watch that man. (laughs) He's awful. Anyhow. This episode, by the way, this episode TV is excellent. There is so much good stuff on it. Uh, There is a Frankie Kazarian versus Adam Cole opener, which is really good. Uh, Frankie Kazarian has three nicknames. The screen says Heavy Metal Rebel. His name graphic says The Elite Hunter. And Justin Roberts says, you've guessed it, it's Frankie Kazarian. (laughs) MJF fucking buries Brian Pillman Jr., who looks completely out of his depth uh ftr versus matt Seidel and dante martin which is really fun especially after the hot tag uh we get the setup for next week is it next week yeah which will end up being Minoru suzuki and lance archer versus john moxley and eddie kingston at grand slam this is all stems out of simply because they fucked up playing Minoru minora suzuki's music so they're running the angle that he's pissed off about it because they were running out of time last week for Mox versus Suzuki and cut it off before it got to Kase Ninare and he's still walking around the ring. Mm. Um there it has the Malachi Black, Cody Rhodes, Rosario Dawson angle. Oh, forgot about that. <laughs> and like the crowd are even wildly hot for a, a Dan Lambert and Co. versus Jericho and Jake Hager promo battle. Fantastic line from CM Punk. Dan Lambert is like if Bobby the Brain Heenan had a wardrobe full of afflictions. <laughs> Nearly knocked me off my sofa. Brilliant. Um, Anyhow, uh, we get a Danielson pre-tape where he says the elite are insecure, but he doesn't want to fight all of them. He only wants to fight one of them, and that's Omega, because he's heard and seen how great Kenny is. He says, people in AEW want to prove themselves. Well, step up and prove yourself against me. Uh, He then comes out for a live interview with Tony Schiavone, and he's interrupted by what Excalibur calls the ice-water enema, Don Callis. (laughs) Uh, and Kenny Omega. Uh, Callis calls Danielson a hippie millionaire and said it must have been such a hard decision to sign a massive contract with the number one wrestling company that was built on Omega's back. He says, what really galls him is Danielson said, him coming to AEW is what would be best for the entire wrestling business. And then he he says, and people call me a carny piece of shit. And Danielson, in the corner of the screen, just matter of fact, he nods his head and goes, yeah, they do. (laughs) (laughs) He says, Kenny told him, no, 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 that's how Brian thinks. So Don retracts the "carny piece of shit line uh, and settles on calling him a Mark instead. Uh, Callis starts yelling about the title, but Danielson cuts him off and turns to Kenny and he says he wants to talk to him. He says, someday this will be about the title, but today it's just about who is better. Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson. What do you say? And Callis leaps in between them. He's like, we say no way. And the entire building is doing the yes chant, while Don is frantically yelling no back at them. Uh, Daniel calls him a piece of shit for another huge pop. Um, this was the point where uh, the word shit was thrown out about a dozen times every episode, because like TNT would just let them do it. Um he's uh, Danielson says I came here to talk to Kenny Omega but maybe I shouldn't have because I came here to fight the best bout machine the god of professional wrestling but since it since Danielson's arrived all he's seen is a guy who hangs out with a bunch of goofy stooges who lets a piece of shit talk for him he says I heard rumors that you've lost your confidence or you've lost a step but I don't think they're true I think what's really true is you've lost your balls so is it yes or no and at this point New Jersey are losing their minds for context It is less than an hour's drive from the Prudential Centre in Newark, where this is being held, to Arthur Ashe Stadium. So everyone in there has already got their ticket. Uh, You know it. Um, With Callis protesting, Kenny finally takes the mic and accepts, and they go nose to nose for what I call the YouTube thumbnail. So, the match. We are in Arthur Ashe Stadium, as I said, 20,000 people. Pretty good. Uh, I was supposed to be there. I had flights booked. The Delta variant hit. Uh, and I got refunded by Virgin Airways. <laughs> this is Brian's first match since the December 30th SmackDown, where he put his SmackDown career on the line against Roman Reigns' title and obviously lost. Uh, for Kenny, it's only been a couple of weeks. His last match was beating Christian Cage all out.
2: This would also be Brian's first match in front of a crowd in God knows how long. It's yeah, because movie.
0: that, yes, you're right. So that match against Reigns... He was in he was in the WrestleMania main event wasn't he of 2021 it was him versus Edge versus Reigns with Roman pinning both of them and yes. all of that was in the Thunderdome like the the screens with faces
2: on Oh my gosh no I'm wrong the Mania had a crowd it was after Mania they went back to no crowd the Roman match was not in front of a crowd COVID
0: era, era wrestling has become a bit of a blur to me now
2: Yeah no now it's becoming a blur to me too. now now my brain is utilizing. They had it for Mania. They did the special celebration. We have fans back in the building. That and they is had right. Yeah. Yeah. Outfit. Yeah.
0: Because they wow. reused the set. They reused all the pirate ship stuff, didn't they? And yeah. it was like they spread everybody out, so they only mm. did like they did like twenty five thousand people in a sixty thousand seat building with people like spread out in COVID pods.
2: Okay, so this would be Snow Brian's first match in like six months or so, and without a crowd or so. That's still a while.
0: Yeah, and wasn't
1: that Mania also the one where they had like the typhoon? warning
0: yes. it was like are we gonna have to oh. uh, stop because of a typhoon <laughs> the pre-show with poor commentator samoa joe getting absolutely pissed on by the rain uh yeah well they're trying to work out like if they're actually going to get to start wrestlemania or not yeah yeah that was fascinating stuff but here we're indoors uh we have uh put a wrestling up wrestling ring up where there's usually a tennis court huge pop for danielson's music mm. huge pop for kenny's music Massive booze for Kenny and Callis, who is dressed like a GTA Vice City loading screen. (laughs) He has got a pink, like a like a a dusty pink suit with with a black shirt underneath and of course, you know, gold chain, silly sunglasses, bald head. No, the Um, the
1: thing that puts a look over the top is the matching pink tipped and heeled shoes.
0: We will get to those later on. (laughs) There is a huge pop for them facing off and a huge pop for the bell. Mm. Um, this is, I think Palm Colour kind of nailed it. Like this is a true dream match of our time. Yeah. Particularly after Danielson has spent seven or eight. How long was Danielson in WWE? 2010.
2: Oh. From 2010 to, I guess, a year before that AEW match. So oh, basically a decade though.
0: Yeah. The thick end of a decade. Mm. Like the guy who has been the best everywhere he has gone, who has been quote unquote, for lack of a better phrase, trapped in wwe for 10 years and frankly disrespected for most of that time mm. versus the guy who has gone and been for lack of a better phrase the best thing in in japan and across the indies for seven eight years and they will finally collide but uh, for what it's worth this is not their first singles match nope. um it's not the not their first match by any stretch. So they, they had two three-ways in Ring of Honor, and then they had a match in 2009 in PWG, one-on-one, but that was mostly played for laughs.
2: And that was a pretty intense arm wrestling battle, though. they had that. <laughs> That's the only
0: part of that match I've seen. And then even after this, even though they're both in AEW, they have only shared the same ring twice. Once was an eight-man on Rampage. Oh, no, not Rampage. It was on the two-year anniversary of Dynamite. So it was uh, Kenny and the Elite against uh, Danielson, Jurassic Express, and Christian. And then they were on opposite teams in Anarchy in the Arena. Apart from that, they've been kept apart still. So there is still scope for them to go back to this and it still be a big deal. And I don't think it's much of a stretch to call them living legends. Like these are men who are both massively inf- massively influential whether you like that or not in respect to kenny omega because i'm aware he has far more detractors than brian danielson does they are massively influential on pro wrestling today and will continue to be long after we all are gone i think
1: i definitely agree with danielson uh omega probably but it'll It'll be interesting to see how Omega's remembered in 10 years to me. It
0: will be, I think it will be Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels stuff. I think it will be a lot of people who are very, very influenced by Bret Hart slash Brian Danielson in terms of how the, their style is more conducive to longevity, although maybe not in terms of uh, Brian Danielson and his myriad injuries. And But there will be some people who are like, yeah, but do you remember his opponent, like the flashier guy? so I still think they they will have like long tails in their influences on pro wrestling
2: I kind of reverse in terms of like reverence in that I feel Bret Hart's like gets talked up in that there's a very specific like few years stretch where everyone talks of Bret Hart and obviously mm. there's quality before and after mm. like in the Hart Foundation tags and whatnot but in a similar way I feel like Kenny Omega is like the peak of him in Japan when he becomes the Bullet Club leader with the formation of the Elite. I feel that's gonna be really talked up a lot in the way that Bret Hart's ace run gets talked mm. up a lot up to the stone cold field well with Shawn Michaels like it or not people talk up like a lot of his career back when he first started back when he first won the talent to his comeback run and somewhere where I feel Brian has like the appeal where you can pick any year of Brian's career mm-hmm. and you can see anything something to be reverent about Yeah, the reverse yeah. In terms of styles but in terms of like I feel how they're remembered it's gonna be kind of reversed
1: I would say that Omega had one peak. Now, it was a, you know, it peaked high and it was influential and very important for, say, New Japan, uh, especially with the Western audience. It was crucial for AEW, that peak. But I would say he had one peak and he's kind of on, for me, he's kind of on the descent. Mm. Whereas Danielson had multiple peaks because I would say that most fans probably thought that he had peaked before WWF and they thought that, okay, like his 06, 08, that's going to be like the peak of his in-ring and he's going to he's gonna do okay at WWE, but they didn't expect him to get to the heights he got to. Mm. And then I think you could argue that he peaked again in WWE. Admittedly, it was a peak where people were chiseling away at the top and the bottom to make it more of a hill than a mountain. Mm. So I think... In this case, he's more of the the Shawn Michaels, whereas there's multiple time periods where it's like, okay, he was like the best in the world, whereas mm. Omega, I think there's only, now it's a good couple of years, I think there's only one time, one peak, where you could say he's the best in the world for me. Mm. But I'm, I've said before, I think I'm a bit of a low man on Omega.
0: Fair enough. As you are a low man on Kenny Omega, I will ask you this. Is dyed black hair with blue highlights and Triple H mutton chops Kenny's worst ever look?
1: Oh, it's got to be. The best way i describe this is it's a teenager trying to do Harley Race's iconic sideburns and moustache look.
0: <laughs> but he's also got a panic at the disco concerts to go to at eight.
1: Yeah. it's
0: That wasn't I, the band I meant, but it will do. <laughs>
1: it's, uh, it's definitely a... I, I have to say, I kind of forgot how excessive... Uh, Omega heel run was. And this is kind of how I remember the heel run to be. And I'll get into that when mm. we summarize.
0: He was. Yeah. Uh, it was as soon as he came out for the promo on the first Dynamite I watched, I was like, oh yeah, he was a dickhead during, the during this run. He was, yeah, it ain't good really. And I like, this is before he takes a year off to basically, mm. you know, get all his body parts replaced.
1: It, it's like Excalibur says during the entrances. Omega is in the best shape of his career, and I'm thinking, well, looks wise, maybe, in terms, <laughs> Cosme- in- yeah,
0: cosmetically bad. In terms of what's going on in those joints, probably yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, in movies where they want to crash a Ferrari but don't want to crash a Ferrari, so they make a they make a Ferrari body and put it on top of something terrible and throw that off the cliff. Like that is Kenny Omega at this point. Like he looks great on the outside, but like. On the inside, he's just, you know, rubber bands and twigs, really, isn't he? (laughs) So there are at least half a dozen chants going all at once. And then there is another massive pot for the lockup.
2: If I may, before the lockup, and this is something I do love about the match, Mm. a lot of the times when wrestlers take their sweet time just enjoying the crowd work before they even begin to lock up, it can feel like they're kind of celebrating themselves. Mm. Like, especially when, like, an ex-WWE guy goes on the independents, like, with core Rhodes and D-Run, it could feel like, hell yeah, these are, we're massive stars, we love wrestling, we love you. With Omega Daniel said, they very rarely take their eyes off each other. Mm. They do a little bit just to acknowledge the crowd, just, like, take it all in, but they feel like they're sizing each other up, that they're ready for a fight. It never feels like they're just happy to be there. This feels dead serious before that lockup. And the crowd is electric for it. Mm.
1: Well, there's also the feeling that, I mean, I don't read lips, uh, so I've got no clue what they're actually saying. But Danielson's got this smile on his face as if he's saying, these people are here because of me. Mm. And Omega's saying, no, you're wrong, they're because of me. And Danielson's like, are you sure about that? It's got that kind of Mm. edgy edgy self-belief to it which is quite nice
0: yeah it's funny i was also wishing i could read lips at the points where you get kenny's close-ups during like that that moment after the bell um Mm. yeah i wish i knew what he was saying at that point uh kenny gets the best of the first collar and elbow chopping dragon into the ropes rather than breaking breaking clean what he
1: does break clean in one chop is Danielson's chest, because yeah. even that one <laughs> chop leaves Danielson red as well, hell. Well,
0: you know, Kenny's the Ferrari on the outside and the Oldsmobile on the inside, and uh, poor Brian Danielson is uh, hes covered in paper, essentially. Like, he has some of the most brittle skin I've ever seen on a pro wrestler. Like it does, it refuses to tan. It breaks open at the slightest provocation. Uh, yeah. Uh, Brian decides to turn about his fair play, mid kicking Kenny when the roles reverse. And then again, when Omega cockily steps into the ropes to get out of a chain wrestling sequence, he's losing. Uh, Omega cartwheel evades a monkey flip during a rope running sequence. Then obviously and inexplicably pulls the ref into a corner as you would do if you wanted to distract them. So your cohorts could attack. But then nothing of the sort happens. I don't know what he thought he was doing. That was, See, that was weird. Like
2: the first thing in the math that struck me as odd. Uh, just mm. between the contrast of the cartwheel sequence trying to be very like showy, offy and mm. then the ref sequence, I don't know. It's a weird flaw with an otherwise weird match. It, it,
0: it. Yeah, it was odd. Like I could understand if he went, if he went to the ref, like push me back and keep him away from it, keep me away from him. But he, like, he very obviously grabs Paul Turner's shirt. And and drags him into the corner. Um, oh, point from last week, which was also a Brian Danielson match. Paul Turner was the ref in that match as well. I don't know if he's going to be the ref in all of the matches. Well, you know he he isn't. He
1: isn't the ref in the unified match.
0: Okay, we'll keep it. We'll keep an eye out. We'll be on Paul Turner watch. Just look for that lovely gelled fringe. He's had, he had the same haircut in this match as he has in that Takeshi Morishima <laughs> match we talked about last week. <laughs> um. Uh, So, this... Oh, fuck's sake. Immediately after this stupid spot with the ref, Jim Ross talks about Kenny leaving his DNA on Danielson's chest, which is not a mental image anybody needs while they're trying to watch their weekly wrestling television show. Danielson comes out on top of a knuckle lock and starts his work on Kenny's arm. And they go into a great sequence where Dragon, traps Omega in a corner, and is alternating chops and middle kicks with the crowd going, woo, and yes, respectively. And then Kenny reverses it, and they just boo constantly. (laughs) I appreciate how the crowd are hyped up for this, but also
1: they know that Kenny Omega is the heel. So as much as they're glad about it, they're playing ball with a story and that that actually really works.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're very happy to see Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson, but they're like, we need to play our part and remember that he's the heel.
2: It also helps that throughout the match, Brian's playing a lot of the old hits. like Mm. Remember Mm. Brian Danielson, remember... Like, it's so much fun just to like be in a massive arena and just erupt with, yes, the uh, woos. Mm. Well, Omega generally, the office has a lot of very big offense, but it's saved much more for the back end of the match, I feel. Mm. So yeah. by then, he's very clearly established as the less likable, less cool, less chantable. Mm. But still very cool because this is a dream match type guy.
0: Yeah. Mm. So Kenny gets backdropped to the floor and smashed into the railings with a tope. Uh, And Brian doesn't let up. He runs Kenny's shoulder into two ring posts and comes down across it from the top rope when they go back in. And he's punishing the arm with twists, holds and strikes. And then at one point, he's also pulling back on Omega's nose and does the I've got till five referee. And something I was wondering, because I couldn't remember, did he ever do that in WWE? He teased
1: it a couple of times maybe, Mm. but it was like, it was rare enough that I remember on, like, message boards or Twitter where people would actually make a point of saying it, but I don't think Mm. he ever vocally said, I have till five, and I don't think it was played up too much. And I was surprised how
0: little a reaction it got in this match. Well, it was interesting because, like, I was the opposite. I was thinking, like, if he didn't do it in WWE, that means everybody who popped for it here... Knew it from ten years ago when he was on the Indies.
2: Okay. According to a random search I did, apparently he's done it in the Fed, but very infrequently. He's apparently done it against Brock at Survivor Series. Okay.
0: So uh the cowboy hat bot on commentary short circuits when they're talking about upcoming matches uh, on the show. I had this written down as well. <laughs> he goes, Cody Rhodes has a huge score to settle with Malachi. Not Malachi, Malachi, Malachi Black. while all this is happening kenny gets his fingers in brian's eyes and takes over and he flings danielson into a corner and something nobody picks up on is he's doing hes boot choking him so like got his his boot pressed up against danielson's throat Mm. in the corner doing the full splits and nobody on commentary mentions how flexible he is doing a full split (laughs) uh so kenny chops danielson all around the ring uh Something worth noting, for somebody who's not massive, Omega's got fucking baking trays for hands. They're massive for the guy his size. (laughs) Just disproportionately large. Yeah,
1: I I think it was Alan Forel pointed that out to me. uh, Mm. Or someone and just like, yeah, he's got got perfect choppy hands.
0: Yeah, it's something I'm not going to be able to unsee now. Like the giant tennis racket hands of Kenny Omega.
2: I did not notice giant hands Omega so... I'm going to have to keep an eye on next time I watch
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, Danielson am drags up, uh, absorbing the chops, mm. uh, firing back with some of his own, but Kenny reverses the whip, gets a knee into Brian's gut, and then just kicks the shit out of his spine on the mat.
1: I really like that. That's an, a nice sense of like frustration coming out.
0: Mm. They go back and forth a bit, but Omega, of course, not afraid to, fra- uh, afraid to flout the rules, goes to the eyes again. Danielson, however, gets his knees up on the moonsault half of you can't escape. Um, Danielson gets up and everyone you can see in the hard cam view Mm. is doing the yes, yes, yes. Dragon batters Kenny into a corner, gets a flying neckbreaker drop lariat out of some rope running, a flying dropkick in the corner and a top rope Frankensteiner for what I think is the first pin attempt some 12 minutes in.
1: The two things I noticed about this Frankensteiner, one is... How late Danielson was essentially in releasing the head. It's mm. very rare that someone comes down with it and holds the legs. And they make two, a point
0: of it on commentary as well, don't they? Yeah. Mm. And two, you can
1: very clearly see him clatter the ring post camera with yes. both feet.
0: Yes. Poor GoPro Jones nearly, uh, nearly loses its life. <laughs> those things are hot, right? As a rest, as a former wrestling production guy and a current video guy, I hate those things yeah it never looks good no they're clearly lower quality than the broadcast cameras on the on the hard cam and on the shoulders of the cameramen at ringside they frequently don't color match anything else uh and they're very often it's not quite a different i don't know how to explain it to the layperson, but they're very often let's say not the same frame rate as the as the ringside cameras so like the movement doesn't look the same when you cut them. I think you can have them there, but they're for replays. They shouldn't ever be mixed in with the with the live feed.
2: Yeah, my big complaint with those cameras is just I just don't like the angle a lot of the time they show mm. whatever they're you notified know, yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, I'd rather see this instead of like just a hard cam shot or you know, I feel that just nine times out of ten the hard cams gonna be easier to see and be a little bit more dynamic than just, like, the corner camo.
0: I am a, I am a big proponent of letting stuff play out in a single shot. So my – my oh, here we go. We're off into Kieran's uh, pro wrestling television theory here.
2: Yeah, I was a cameraman in the past for wrestling shows. I, I get it, man. Go crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, like, the majority of what you see wrestlers do, the average human being cannot do. My example would be, think of a moonsault. How many people... Well, Palm might be different because he's an active wrestler, but like in general, in your daily life outside of wrestling, how many people do you know who could do a moonsault or a shooting star press?
2: More than zero, but under five. Exactly, right?
0: My theory is... If somebody goes up to the top rope and they do their shooting star press, you hold that in a single camera shot because you're showing there's no fakery, there's no trickery, and this Mm. is someone doing something incredible and athletic under their own steam with no help from the camera, no help from the editing, no help from the director. And it's a spectacular move. As soon as you put a cut in it, it looks fake to me. And very often with stuff like WWE, they miss the point of impact. Mm.
2: That's the big thing with those cutaways. When you miss that point of impact, it's... Basically destroys the whole move because by then I'm like, yep. I feel I just missed half the wrestling move. So exactly, what's the point? Exactly
0: that. Like there is a, I, I mean, I've started calling it cut on impact style. Um, AEW does it more than I would like. WWE does it constantly. WWE does it to both add impact to and take impact away from moves. So it's the cover where there's light in between strikes, for example, but also they're a PG product. So they don't want it to look too violent. Mm-hmm. And it kind, of, it kind of serves two purposes at the same time, but makes the television unwatchable. But, for example, I will sit and watch Dynamite, and I will I will be able to sit there and go, they're going to cut here, they're going to cut here, they're going to cut here, they're going to cut here. And I will know exactly how a sequence is going to go in terms of the cameras. This is an entirely different hour-long podcast by itself, by the way. So I'm going to shut up now, and we'll go back to the wrestling match. I mean, very quickly, I it says something when...
1: I have comments on the bloody editing. Because <laughs> because I the, there were two separate minutes and I just picked them at random. Mm. And it's like, okay, how many cuts are they going to be in this minute? Mm. And bear in mind, I don't watch AEW TV regularly. I don't watch any TV wrestling regularly. Most mm. of what I watch is old, at the moment, it's old stuff, maybe some DDT, some New Japan, maybe some, Pick Mm. of stuff, but mostly you've said before you're a full
0: shows kind of guy rather than like a week to week TV kind of guy, aren't you? Yeah, I'm just
1: I don't watch anything uh, week to week. It's Mm. like I don't watch TV, it's just not how I'm wired. Podcasts is the closest that I get. Mm. Um, I just don't do the weekly thing anymore. Mm. So, it's a first, this was the first time I'd seen AEW for a while, Mm. and the two minutes, 15 cuts per minute.
0: That is actually not bad. So standard American television is usually a cut every three seconds to stop people changing the channel.
1: Yeah, this was Fif- about a cut every four. So yeah,
0: yeah. and that—that's honestly not bad. I—I I had almost no uh, complaints with how this match was shot at all. I think uh, they changed director. So their original director was a guy, unfortunately named Kevin Sullivan, uh, not that one. Uh, who came over from WCW, and he directed a lot of the early AEW. He was there for a year or two, and they swapped to – he retired, and they swapped to a new guy who is much more button-happy, and he keeps missing stuff. So if you watch Blood and Guts, there is a moment in that where uh, somebody gets brain-busted through a chair, and the guy was lifted up, and he cut away to something else, and when he cut back, there was a flat chair and a guy on the, on the map. Jesus. Like, he doesn't appear to have instincts for wrestling. Mm. He also missed the finish, by the way, of Blood and Guts. Mm. Um, Yeah, I I think he's pretty bad, to be honest. We're getting off track. Kieran is moaning about uh, TV and video as it pertains to professional wrestling.
2: So. I do find this match very well shot. there's, mm. It's obviously going to talk about much later on. But the stuff involving, like, the wrestling when they move up to the rap of Mm. it's so aesthetically gorgeous to me yes i'm like fuck i love like i was sharing this with like from like look how cool this looks yeah
0: i will also say like so while we do let's get this all into one section i do have problems with how they shot this show so i don't think there were it was a sellout Twenty one thousand people and they lit it like it was fucking dark elevation like Mm. I, i would have had Every light on, showing everybody in those upper decks, showing them full, showing them going crazy for all the action. And instead, they've darkened it down and they've got loads of spotlights coming away from the audience. And the other thing I would have done is I would have got a camera and I would have put it above the entrance on the widest lens I could find. So when you cut to that, you can see everybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's something TNA used to do actually. They would make a crowd of a thousand people look like five thousand just by putting a camera in the right place.
1: Yeah, I, I'm thinking of that like impact zone high up yeah. angle that where yeah.
0: you just saw everyone. It just impact yeah. zone holds a thousand max, yeah. and they very rarely packed it out. But every every week, every month on the pay-per-views, it would look like there were three thousand people in there because of how they shot it and how it was mic'd as well. Um one final note on the production: the ring was really badly mic'd in this. There are chops you can barely hear. Mm. There are suplexes you can barely
2: hear. Yeah, that was going to be one of my complaints with it because, like, there are so many chops in this match mm. that you really notice when they stop making it. Like, they stop making sounds, and very yeah. noticeable.
0: Yeah, I don't think uh, for a lot. I think they might do now, but for a long time, I don't think AEW put a mic directly underneath the ring. From my experience, it certainly doesn't sound like it. Anyhow, that detour brings us to Kenny flipping over a corner charge, uh, sending Dragon to the floor with his own Frankensteiner and then hits the Mm. flip tope. Back inside, one of my favourite sequences in this match, Danielson avoids the Katara Crusher, rolling back into an O'Connor roll. Kenny grabs the tights and reverses it, but Dragon pushes him out into a seated double chicken wing, which he then immediately rolls over into the cattle mutilation. And I was like, that is... Is the kind of sequence that everybody in this building bought a ticket to see. Yeah. That is Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson. It is one guy's signature move being countered, countered again, and then countered one more time into the other guy's signature move. Like brilliant wrestling. Loved it.
2: It took smart wrestling too, because obviously it just immediate counter, immediate roll. Brian's mm. going for the win. Mm. He's yes. not just like, trying to go right for his signature move. But then when Omega counters it, yeah. Brian sees the opening and then he's able to hit it. And then yeah. the fans are going to go crazy because they buy tickets to see the hits. You buy tickets to watch Rey Mysterio hit the 619. Oh, yeah. You buy mm. tickets for this match because they want to see the Kenny Omega flip-dive. And when they get to see the bell lock, and especially when it's played so smartly, Yeah, they're obviously a hunter, obviously, because it's an amazing crowd. And they go from 100, like 500, just erupting. Yeah.
0: For, yeah,
1: yeah. And again, coming back to what Kieran said earlier about something else, Danielson wasn't pulling out the cattle mutilation a lot for his WWE run. So you <laughs> think about the big pop he got.
0: Do you think, how many of those massive roided up backs do you think could flex to get their arms in the position for cattle mutilation? Particularly okay. from this guy who's half their size.
2: So funny, so I'm not sure if anyone remembers this, but... Back in 2010, when Brian was first in the Fed, like it was like, I want to say Hell in a Cell 2010. It's like Ms. Brian, maybe John Morrison a Triple Threat. Mm. And he does go for cow mutilation there. And Mastery goes, Cattle mutilation! And Jerry Lawler just goes, like the dumbest, which goes, Cattle mutilation. Are they cows? Why are you saying that? <laughs> <laughs> And that leads to, like, a good, like, minute on arguing. I was like, but, but, but it's a kind of mutilation. It's like, don't, don't care. That sounds dumb. Let's just call the move.
0: Oh, my word. So, thankfully, neither of those people are on commentary here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Kenny gets to the ropes, rolls out to the ramp. Uh, and this is this is the beautiful stuff that Palm was talking about. Um, there is a cut here I don't like. Uh, yeah. Where Dragon does a flying knee strike off the top rope, and they put they switch cameras in between it. So he he also he changes direction. They break the 180 degree rule. He changes direction as he flies across the screen, which never looks good. Which is a shame because it's otherwise a cool looking move.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Brian gets in a few chest kicks to a kneeling Omega until. Omega stands up, swats away a roundhouse that spins Danielson back the way he came and then sends him sliding down the ramp, which is comprised of LED video screens, which also looks very cool, with a dragon suplex.
1: Yeah, sliding down on his neck yes. down the ramp It's <laughs> yes. just a ridiculous visual.
0: Yeah. Uh, Kenny then retreats all the way to the back of the stage so he can get a run-up and full sprint V-trigger Danielson in the ropes so hard that he himself flips over the top rope into the ring. And that's how we go to break.
1: I planned to, uh, for the break, I planned to basically write everything that happened in the break in highlights. It came to (laughs) basically two sentences max and one of those was unnecessary.
0: (laughs) You know you have a pause button, Mark. he has gone silent. Perhaps his remote doesn't have a pause button. So the only things (laughs) that happen in our picture-in-picture break are Kenny slams Brian on the timekeeper's table and we get the following commentary exchange. JR says... Callis should be whipped for wearing those shoes, which are the sparkly pink and black numbers Mark talked about mm. earlier. Tony says, I think he should be whipped for general purposes, actually, to which Ross <laughs> replies, well, I'm starting at the feet, and I'm going to work up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, so I was listening on the American feet, so I just got a bunch of commercials while O'Brien sold Really, pretty well, but I was like, I was like, man, I kind of hate picture-in-picture. Picture. I hate looking at these ads. So.
0: I mean, I think I understand why it's done and i think it's good that they do do picture in picture on the tv feed but i find it hard to watch so if i ever end up watching one that has got the picture in picture feed in it i have to mute it so i'm not listening to like fucking taco bell commercials and that kind of thing and so i'm actually watching that little screen in the corner Mm. where possible i will watch the fight version that we can get here where your picture in picture is always full screen and you get extra commentary. And that's where, generally, that's where you get the um, Excalibur and Taz go off and record a podcast stuff. That's the <laughs> most fun.
2: I never knew about that JR commentary line. That's <laughs> so good.
0: Yeah, it's his only good line of the entire mm. thing. Uh, the other side of commercial, Kenny goes to Buckle Bomb Dragon, but they miss the corner, and Danielson hits the ropes and involuntarily backflips out onto the apron. Terrifying. Mm. He is, I think he's quite lucky that he came out on the ramp side Because if he'd have gone the other way, he'd have just ended up on the floor. Yeah, Uh, Omega follows up with a top rope drop kick to the back and hooks the full Nelson for a dragon suplex. But Danielson drops down into a clutch for a two count. Kenny sends him face first into the corner with a leg lariat to the back and then hits a flying knee to the back of the neck. Quite gently, I noticed. Like he didn't go in kneecap first. He slows himself down and turns sideways. So it's the thigh across the back of the neck. Mm. Like obviously being rightly very protective of the back of Brian Danielson's head
1: we say this in a match that has multiple dragon suplexes by the way
0: yes I know um Kenny tries a top rope back suplex but Danielson slides out between his legs crotching Omega and hits his own and Danielson Danielson's bicep gets squashed between Omega mm. and the mat and he is it didn't look comfortable he's rolling around and selling that Back on their feet, they trade strikes, but not in the to-me-to-you way that Mark loves so much. Uh, as Shivani gleefully says, the two are just kicking each other's ass. <laughs> He's really enjoying this match. Uh, Danielson trying to run the ropes just gets him a V-trigger in the face. Uh, Kenny trying the same thing, sees him met with a rolling elbow and a regal plex for a near fall. Mm.
2: That uh, regal plex, and they in general look nasty, but yeah. I think Bryan would struggle struggled to, like, connect his arms
0: his arms aren't quite long enough are they to get the grip properly
2: yeah so it just it's just an immediate dump onto Omega's head yeah. of like a, no warning it was like yeah look like the regalplex is one of the most like painful looking suplexes and mm. from personal experience is kind of one of the most painful suplexes to take <laughs> <so it's... laughs>
0: ah you've taken one how many uh, did you end up with your own knee in your eye
2: uh, I think it was more forehead than eye, but yeah <laughs>
1: but the the point about danielson's arms is a really good point and probably explains why you don't see many regal plexes outside of his ring of honor period where uh not to cast aspersions but not a lot of the ring of honor roster were over six foot shall we say
0: no no that's the thing like yeah um yeah he's dealing you're right dealing with a much smaller roster there like this is a I, ca- I count this as a very rare move. I have seen maybe half a dozen in my entire life as a wrestling fan.
1: You'd see a lot more if you watched uh, a lot of 2006 Ring of Honor. It Fair. was like much
0: more regular. <laughs> but,
2: yeah, that makes sense. It's still just in general, even, it's still just a very hard move to hook. Mm. And I could see the argument after the Brian fall with the arm you mentioned earlier that this could either be uh, like, but like Brian's arm is you, so or even like a selling decision, like a very subtle choice mm. to be like, after that, my arm, so I can't fully lock it in. No, yeah. I'll still go for it type of deal. Because Brian is the type of detail guy you could tell me and I would believe you that was a purposeful Exactly, choice. yeah. I mean, mm. we
0: talked about the kind of things we think go through Brian Danielson's head last week. Um, and, you know, it could be anything in the middle of a wrestling match. Uh, so this gets a loud standing ovation and a full-throated AEW chant from the crowd. Omega cuts Danielson off on his way up to the turnb- way up the turnbuckles and wrecks him with a top rope Dragon Superplex. Mm. Commentary talk about how Dragon might have saved himself by being able to flip over and take it on his stomach, but you can see the scuff marks where his face hit the canvas, <laughs> which is made even more obvious in the replay. His face smashes he hits he hits the mat stomach first, but the recoil, like his his face smashes into the mat afterwards.
1: So that's why his face is bloody yes. by the end of the match.
2: I was going to say, I also didn't realize that because I was too busy watching Omega's skull go from the top rope straight to the fucking canvas. Yeah.
0: Um, Palm, as we've mentioned, you're a wrestler. Don't do this, and don't agree to take one of these. If I find out you have ever been a part of a top rope dragon suplex, you are banned from coming back on this show.
2: I'm trying to think. <laughs> I'm actually debating if I would say yes to that spot or not, Joe. And that type of match, obviously, you give me, like, a massive crowd like that, you could talk me into any spot. If you're
0: against that. Kenny Omega for the AEW world title, then maybe,
2: but, like... Okay, we got an exception here. We got an exception. <laughs> Br- Vancouver Indies, you're not allowed. <laughs> hey, Danielson used to be, like, a actual regular on the Vancouver Indies, you know? scene.
0: <laughs> I can't remember if we talked about this the last time you were on, because we did talk about, like, some, like, specific move stuff. What would you say is the most dangerous move you've agreed
2: to take? Oh, yeah. So it's not dragon suplex from the top rope, but very similarly. Uh, a very talented wrestler I know named Anton Voorhees, who works, like, the Hot Slam, the California area. Mm-hmm. One of his signature moves, and like, basically one of his finishers is, if you're on the top rope or the second rope, he'll grab you, uh, pick you up in German position, uh, and he'll, like, do the little rope walk uh, where he spins around, uh, and after he's in a position, he will German suplex you from the second rope uh, onto uh, the canvas. Uh, right, that was very painful. I will say. <laughs> thank goodness that finisher. was. The, yes, thank goodness that was the finish. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Then so, uh, regular moves. The regal plex is definitely up there. Hmm. That no- any move where you have to flip into it to take it, like the lumbar check, that's under. Oh, does. that's
0: the one you mentioned before. Yes, yeah, I that's a real now. timing
2: yeah. thing. Because, like, yeah. if you have it perfectly, it's fine. But as someone who might not be a perfect professional wrestler, believe it <laughs> yeah. or not, like, yeah,
0: you you don't want to take someone's first one, do you? <laughs> no, and I've taken
2: someone's first one, which is yeah. why I know. Uh,
0: I, I liken it to the time I went into a bar and I had the first mojito the barman had ever made, and the manager Ooh. came up and went, "How is it?" And I and I I looked at him and he went we won't say anything to him, but I'll get you another one. Um, so anyway, uh, the kick out from this ridiculous move off the top rope gets a huge pop. Uh, Kenny hits the V trigger, but Danielson manages to poison Rana his way out of the one winged angel and the roof comes off Arthur Ashe stadium. Brian avoids a flying knee in the corner. Buzzsaw kicks Kenny Powers up in the corner and runs in for the Busaico knee, but Kenny is ready with a powerbomb. This looked brutal. Oh, He's that
2: smashed him. Smashed him. <laughs> a big thing with the match and like with the poison run counters, with the dive, flip dive, is that they never feel like they're do- there to be showy. Like, there's obviously mm. Mm. Omega's a very showy wrestler, something like the rap knee where he does the full running start. It looks spectacular, but mm. it's always there for purpose to hurt the opponent. Yeah. It's always there to like, Try and counter win the match, etc. And that power bomb, there's no like part where Omega tries to get him all the way up nope. toward the mm. spectacular. He just grabs him, just fucking immediately throws him yep. down to the point where I'm like, I can't tell if this is a stylistic choice or so Omega was genuine like this tired after like a half hour mm. just fucking wrestling. Well the slight
1: messiness of it actually makes it for me. It's mm. like and Jeez coming into slight execution making a move I loved how Danielson did the reverse rana because it almost felt like that kind of old school Frankensteiner if you've like seen like Scott Steiner the way Steiner would do a Frankensteiner in his body it kind mm. of is a bit reminiscent of that where it's less uh I think modern reverse ranas are a little bit quicker and I think the speed
0: yeah. of the snap actually makes it look a bit worse. Yeah, this is one from somebody who doesn't do this move. Yeah. Um, Like, so Shivani says, "Uh, I've never seen a reversal like that before. And I immediately thought, I have. Tomohiro Ishii did this
2: in a match with Omega.
0: Yeah. And apparently, it was his idea. Uh, i've heard a mega talk we're getting off track a little bit but i've heard a mega talk before like ishii is really creative and wants mm. to do like crazy spectacular stuff and comes up with all these wacky ideas and kenny's like "Oh fuck it if you think you could do it we'll do it but yeah so not only is it a guy who's not used to this doing it mm. i know it is today like an overdone like silly spectacular move that you now see every week but it is the logical reversal to the one winged angel. So, uh, Danielson has been powerbombed. Kenny rolls him back onto his knees, uh, hits another V-trigger, and again, thunderous reaction for the kickout. Running out of options, Kenny goes way back into his playbook for a Phoenix splash, but the execution's not quite there because he hasn't done it for a while, and Danielson manages to roll clear. Brian comes up with his serious face on uh, and lays the kicks into Omega. Kenny gets a forearm in and they trade shots. Kenny gets kicked down to the mat. And as on last week's show, we talked about Dragon performs the ceremonial kicking in of the fucking head. Yep. Uh, He clamps on the arm half of the label lock, but Omega keeps getting his other arm in the way, preventing Dragon from getting his forearms around Kenny's head. Uh, One minute remains. If you listen closely, you've actually been able to hear some of the other time calls.
1: Were there actually other time calls? Because I just didn't notice. But
0: they've been over the PA in the building only. And this one was very deliberately rooted through the TV audio as well.
1: And and yet, uh, it is still mumbled. Like I'm str- I little, had to listen yeah. to it three times to actually Yeah. Is he actually saying one minute remaining, or is it my brain knowing that he would be saying <laughs> one minute remaining?
0: The first one I actually noticed, remember noticing was the 3 minute call. Like you can okay. hear Justin Roberts saying something in the background. Um and then like there's another one obviously a minute later and then this one like they they've turned the fader up on the on the uh, the TV mix for this. But not but as you said not by much.
1: I'm being a bit harsh cuz that one minute call was like Justin Roberts was uh trying to get uh, the lead role in a Godfather remake. <laughs>
0: Uh, so Omega gets his foot on the ropes, uh, but as he staggers up into the corner, Danielson connects with the, the corner dropkick. Brian then goes for his traditional follow-up with a second one, but Kenny meets him in the middle of the ring with a flying knee and goes for a ripcord V-trigger. Rain trigger? Uh, Danielson though, slips out of his grip and blasts him with a rolling elbow. Uh, a second one is thwarted by a knee strike and they both collapse. And now they're on their knees and they're smashing each other with headbutts and punches and they eventually fight up to their feet and that's when the bell rings for the time limit with them just beating on each other. So to close out, briefly after the bell, Danielson grounds Omega and gets the LaBelle lock on for a few seconds before the Young Bucks and Cole drag him off and then after some replays and such, they triple super kick him in the corner and that's where my my file cuts off. I don't know if you saw any more, Palm, after that.
2: That's more or less where my file cut off too, okay. uh? You. Okay. I do really like the finish from a conceptual standpoint because, yeah, in legitimate wrestling, uh, there's a general rule where you do not keep going if you think you hear uh, like a bell yes. or like a ref call because mm. you're not sure. It's hard to really tell when you're in the thick of things to be able to see is that for my match? Is that for a different match at like the mm. local level? So it makes sense that they hear bell, but they're still going to keep going in case they miss her. Uh, mm. They want to make sure they don't want to let up and give the other guy any potential advantage. Uh,
0: Mm. And Kenny can play up like, um, you know, so they're still fighting at the bell. It's one of the things I really enjoyed about this match, actually. Like, I like that the time didn't run out in the middle of a pin and it didn't run out with someone locked in a submission hold. Um, Kenny can even play off like the bell had rung, I was done and trying to get out of there and he took advantage of me and took me down and put his move on.
1: While well, I liked the, um, the Danielson still fighting for the bell lock after the bell, while well, I like that bit what i didn't like is it just lacked a bit of urgency it was like like the 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 first 30 seconds of the last minute fine the urgency is mm. there when they're getting to the strikes on the knees it's like i know you could argue that maybe they didn't hear the time call mm. but it just felt like it if it had a little bit more urgency and let's say someone went for a roll up or something like that I will be a lot more positive on the finish. Let's just okay. say that—that's my opinion.
2: Yeah, you're, there's not really a big punctuation with that sequence, so I definitely see what you mean. No? It,
0: fine. Yeah, it maybe ends with a comma rather than the full stop. Yeah, but like I don't know. I call it an ellipsis. I think it's like it's very much a leave them wanting more. But like, I really like the story throughout that Danielson took everything the champ had, mm. found a way out of his killer move, but still yeah. couldn't get him away, and. Couldn't get his own killer move on until after the bell.
1: Yeah,
0: um, and it was very much like it was very much played up like these two still had plenty more to give. It didn't oh, matter very that much half an so. hour. I both times I watched it, I knew it was half an hour going in. Didn't feel like it. Like it's so easy to watch. And to be honest, I couldn't remember where they put the ad break in. And it's almost twenty minutes into the into the show before they put the ad break in. Hmm. Uh, which is something for AEW. But, of course, it was a big spot on the floor. Uh, go to ad break. Can't can't unsee the formula. Um, Palm. Yeah. Still a must-see match?
2: I will be honest. This isn't a weird uh, little limbo where I don't think it's – if I had to make a list of Brian matches and a list of Omega matches, uh, they're both so good that I don't even know if this would necessarily make I think this would make a top 10 Omega match, but okay. I don't know if this would put this in my top 10 Brian matches. It's the awkward thing where this is still like an amazing match and I highly recommend it to everyone. So in that way, I do consider it a must-see.
0: Yeah, if you're but, recommending it to everyone, then it's a match people must see, right?
2: <laughs> but there's so many other Brian matches I think are must-see. Yeah. And mm. Omega still does have like a lot of matches I do think are better than this. Mm. In that he has the Naito matches, uh, the Okada matches. I'm sure... There's an Ishii match and like a few very fun trio stuff, but mm. that's definitely more in the same categories as this Brian match type mm. eh? mm. deal. so, do you
0: think? How about this then? If uh, the cut off for uh, musty matches is pretend musty matches hasn't happened yet. Pretend like mm. the, uh, the 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 cut off date is coming up for you to get your nominations in today. Would it still make your list that you submitted to the project? How long is the list again? Up to twenty five. Well. You could
1: maybe have 30. We'll use the Alan Forel rule.
0: <laughs> the Alan Forel rule of, uh, oh, I just keep going, doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, he he would that thing.
2: <laughs> One more match. I'm not familiar with Alan Forel, but I respect the hell out of that hustle. Uh, <laughs> I think if I had to pick an AEW match okay. for this, this would definitely be up there. So I feel there's still a good chance. So I'd want to have some AEW representation, and to have some more modern TV wrestling stuff. Hmm. So I think I would put this on the list too. Uh, Mm.
0: Mark, how do you feel about this match? I think it's
1: a very good match. I think it's very well executed, and when it isn't executed perfectly, I actually prefer how they execute things. Mm. Um I think they're like pleasingly messy sounds weird, but it kind of works. Like the power yeah, box I know spot. What you mean. Yeah. Um that said the match didn't click for me. It's like I, I get the strengths of the match. I get that it's a crazy hot crowd. It's very well executed. It's a good story. It's kind of... I think that Kenny Omega's AEW singles run uh, got some helping hand from the fans, as it were. There was a bit of leeway because... I don't think his AEW stuff was at the level that his New Japan stuff was.
0: But I don't think it could be. Yeah, and I'll Even give you Even if that. you're doing that like once a quarter on pay-per-view, that like the stuff he was doing in New Japan is just hell on your body.
1: Oh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll give and you And he doesn't
0: that. have like the... I mean, with all due respect to everybody in AEW, it's not full of Okadas.
1: Yeah, but I mean, put it this way. We did the we did the Naito match Yeah, from... I preferred the NITO match to this. And okay. the main thing for me is, uh, like, it comes back to what Palm said. I don't think this is, um, this is like in a top list for either guy. I think this is, the problem mm. for me with dream matches is that sometimes when you have a dream match, you're trying to combine too much of two people's styles and they're less likely to fit into one or the other. Mm. And the same with Danielson. It's like I think for me, Danielson's dream match type stuff since he's come back from WWE has been more disappointing than the matches against, say, uh, an Adam Page or a, an Eddie Kingston or a Minoru Suzuki or a Daniel Garcia. Mm. It it's like it it just doesn't have that feel to it. It
0: doesn't. It feels does like it. Does it feel forced to you in some way? Like it it is you're expected to think of it in a certain way because it is a quote unquote dream match.
1: It feels a little bit I think, yeah, force could be it feels a little bit Hollywood, a little bit overproduced, a little bit Okay.
0: Not- but is that because it is on a an American weekly television wrestling program, which has to have all that sparkle and sizzle to it? Like, would you feel differently about this if yeah, there was a basketball hoop in the background in front of 500 people in eastern Pennsylvania or, you know? I
1: I wouldn't. I I actually, if you take this and put in Ring of Honor Peak 2006, i probably feel the same way about it. It just, it lacks a little bit of heart. It lacks, it lacks a bit of heart and it lacks the kind of things that I really love from Danielson. But bear in mind that is from me with my uh ROH fanboy head on. Yeah. And I realize that he's changed over years. It's like yeah. I I appreciate lots of elements of it. It's a very good match, but I definitely wouldn't call it musty. And I would I would probably recommend AEW matches of around this era against different opponents for both guys over mm. this.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: Well, the, the Omega one I'd recommend is actually uh, the next AEW Omega match on the list. But, yeah.
0: Fair enough.
2: A little perspective, I feel, is that talk about, like, styles classic. I think, in a way, these complement each other and that these are both long match guys. There are people not to pace out a long match. But yeah. there's definitely points where, like, I guess I would say it takes turns between being a Brian match and being an Omega match, where mm. the first half, there's definitely a lot of, like, brian shine a lot of like more simpler grounded stuff well mm. once you get to the ramp we get more spectacle stuff it feels like the omega big bomb throwing big spectacular yeah. type deal mm. so i could see the contrast for me the match is one major weakness it's very nitpicky but it bugs me a lot It matches in general when i feel there's too much repetition for something like say strikes where i feel that either a the strikes need to land fucking incredibly well which Mm. maybe they did but the crowd the show wasn't mic'd up enough for me to hear the chops. the mic'ing hurt or B I find myself thinking man I sure do wish there was like a little variance where like where Brian started doing the chops and kicks alternate I love that but when it just became nothing but a chop chop fest, it was fine but after a while the wow factor we go oh my god JR's right Omega is leaving his DNA on Brian's chest kind of goes down a little bit. Mm. Obviously, like, calling a match on the fly, figuring out how to adjust to a crowd, like, I get it. It's such a nitpicky thing for me. Mm. But when you watch a lot of wrestling, you really notice when stuff starts repeating, you and, know?
1: And and yeah, with the kicks, you're kind of right with the kicks. It does feel like it's a spot that if this was a match that was, say, 20 minutes instead of 30, you wouldn't notice because that next set of kicks wouldn't be there.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think if I'm going to, on this note, I think if I'm going to complain about anything, it's going to be Kenny spamming the flying knee. Yeah. Like wrestling video game, signature is flashing in the bottom corner. He presses triangle, bang, another knee. Oh, it's still flashing. Oh, I can get another one in. Like It's something he goes back to too much, I think. And we are, I, I kind of had a discussion with somebody else about this recently. We are in the era of the flying knee in pro wrestling. AEW Women's Division, everybody has a knee strike.
1: I think I know the person you're talking about because it might... Was it that Twitter conversation yes. or was it...
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's a bit um, it's a bit much for me. So for my part though, I, I still think this is a great match. Um, Palm is too young to know. Mark might also be slightly too young to remember the time when you would get a match of this quality maybe on pay-per-view once a year if you were lucky that they happen regularly on TV these days is still wild to me. That, like, And to be honest, this should have been a pay-per-view match. This would have sold pay-per-views. They probably could have even run a slightly bigger building if one existed in the market they wanted to run it in. Mm. Um, that it went out on free TV is crazy and we are blessed. Um, about the match itself, I said I liked the story that ran through it. I loved... The sense of anticipation to it. Like everybody in that building really wanted to see this match. And the only thing I think that would have made it so it's five stars in the Observer. It I don't think it is for me. I'll go four and a half. It's the first Brian Danielson five star match. Really?
1: Yes. Yes. He wow. never gave anything from the Ring of Honor period. Wow. Before this, Brian had sick Daniel Bryan had. Fuck it, Brian Danielson (laughs) had six four and three quarter matches. Okay, Uh, that like like Dave chickened out multiple times, Mm. and so this was the first uh, five star that Danielson got, and then he got four others for AEW matches, (laughs) which is a great example of uh, of the Meltzerian inflation.
0: Yes, Um, yeah, I think for me it's like a four and a half. Um, and I would have added more onto that if it had had a definite finish.
1: I, I'd go four, four and a half, yeah.
0: And if Kenny could have thought of any other body part to hit Brian with than his knee. Again, I'm stuck in that in that same kind of palm situation. I don't know if I can call it a musty match, but I think it's definitely worth everybody's time. It's a half an hour. It's... Bed passed, Hmm. and I only noticed how, and I think that might be why they did it. I only noticed how long it passed once you could finally hear Roberts doing the time course. I'm like, oh shit, this really has been 27 minutes.
2: Yeah, it's definitely the type of match. Like, I've imagined myself as a wrestler, which I am technically, but a much more successful wrestler, imagine. And I see this match on TV, and I'm like, oh my God, I want to be there. I want Hmm. to have a chance to face the Brian Danson, the Kenny Omega. I want to see that type of Arthur Asher. He's like wrestling's a lot about creativity and creative freedom. Mm. Mm. So when I see like these men who they do get a lot of leeway thanks to a very hot audience, but I'm like, man, they get that type of leeway. They have that type of confidence. I want to be. It's the type of thing that really just makes AEW feel like uh, the place you want to be at, yeah. both as a wrestler and as a fan.
1: There's a lot of fan goodwill in AEW. Yeah, um, especially in the first couple of years, there was a lot of. Goodwill, which kind of helped them on when things weren't quite hitting.
0: I mean, especially in sixty-five thousand old people buying tickets we were before one single match has been announced. Yeah, and we are, as we record this, four weeks away, and still nothing has been announced for it. Um, Come on, Tone, I know you're listening. <laughs> yeah, give us something. uh I was actually going to ask Palmer a question. Um, as a wrestler, what would you take away from this match? Like, what lessons do you think there are to be learned, or were you just like so caught up as a fan watching it? Could you watch it with like a, a wrestler mind?
2: Well, I've re- This is I've. A, this is a rewatch, so I did get to try and be a little analytical, and I forgot to. Uh, one of the pieces of advice I was given is that for things like a, a heat segment, there's a rule where if a comedian tells a joke, you want to wait for the joke to get all the way to the back of the room mm-hmm. and get back so we don't have time to react. Mm-hmm. I think this match is very well paced and well structured where everything has time to settle in. Uh, everything has time to have a, a reaction from the crowd and before they do the next thing. But they never mm. like dwell too long. It's still like a constant movement. Uh, there's also, they always fight each other. It always feels like they're trying to win the match. It never yes. feels like they're trying to. The closest thing is probably Omega's Phoenix Splash, uh, which, man. But make going for a Phoenix splash for the first time in years. Just a half-mess. Uh and even then, it's like it's near the climax of the match. You want to keep the crowd engaged. You want to keep the crowd mm. hot. Or you want to have those bigger spots. So it's gonna be very rare for a lot of wrestlers to both either want to work a half hour or get the chance to work a half hour. Mm. So it's not necessarily I'm trying to think. Because a lot of the match is also themed around signature moves. Uh, and, like, them countering each other mm. with very specific ways. I don't know if this would be my go-to Brian match study if you were looking for a long match one. It would probably be one of his, like, from 05 or 06, like, the famous Paul London matches, maybe the James Gibson medals or two that I just remember mm. off the top of my head because they're so fucking good. But I feel that in terms of just structuring a match for, like, how long to let something sink in and how long you want to, per se... A major spot, like how many normal spots do you want before you want to do the Omega Giant Ramp Spot? I guess mm. if that makes sense. A very, a pacing match to look at, mm. too. So
0: I usually run through the Observer Awards issue to see if our match got anywhere. Kenny Omega was the Wrestling Observer Newsletter 2021 Wrestler of the Year. Danielson placed fourth. AEW's Promotion of the Year. Dynamite was Best Weekly TV Show. This match finished third in match of the year between, between, behind even, Will Ospreay versus Shingo Takagi from May the 4th in Fukuoka, and the Young Bucks-Lucha Brothers cage match from All Out, which was, as we said, two and a half weeks before this. Danielson and Omega each had a match with Adam Page in the top 10, and Danielson also had his October 15th match with Minoru Suzuki in the top 10. Hmm. This particular episode of TV finished eighth for show of the year. Oh, and Brian Danielson won the Brian Danielson Award for Best Technical Wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, does anything any, have anything else to add before we uh, do plugs and take it home?
2: I feel good. Okay, thank you. <laughs>
0: so palm thank you so much for coming and doing this show again it has been an absolute pleasure having you back feel free to tell everybody where you can be found on the internet if you want to be found uh any upcoming dates you might want to check out what's going on with your
2: wrestling all of that
0: kind of business
2: this is going to be a longer one uh my name is palm singh Mann. i am a professional wrestler from vancouver canada i am the we have daniel Maccabi at home of professional wrestling uh,
0: <laughs> as evidenced by this being your third pro- uh uh, showing on this show and he's only been on once.
2: <laughs> yes. Got, got to make up for it somehow. Uh my social media handles are byboyparm on Twitter and Blue Sky, parmsingman on Instagram. I'm There's not a lot of Indo Indian wrestlers out there, so I feel I should be very easy to recognize. Uh I my August is a bit smaller. I'm working a Lucha Libre theme show in Vancouver in about 2 weeks. Uh, there's a lot of people on that card, about 50 wrestlers over 2 days. Which is.
0: Are you, does that mean you're going full It's going to be all trios matches? And do you have to wear a mask?
2: So, I actually do have an entrance match, which you can find on my profile pick, which you can see on my social media <laughs> if anyone <laughs> wants to so inclined. Uh, we'll see how that card looks. Uh, it's okay. going to be a lot, but there's wrestlers from Gleed and Yutani, uh, wrestlers mm. uh, from Mexico, like uh, Septimo Dragon and Rayo Star, who are quite talented, but more on the obscure side. In September, I'm very busy. September, Dusk Pro Wrestling comes back, uh, which we'll be having wrestlers <laughs> such as uh, Freshadora, Daniel McCabe, and Nicole Matthews. Uh, unfortunately, my graphics person is on a bit of a delay, so there's a 50-50% chance uh, the show poster will not be right till next week, uh, which will be uh, when this podcast is already up, so you all got an exclusive sneak preview. After that, I'm teaming with the Time Traveler and Abraham looking in Boom Professional Wrestling, and I'm debuting as an early scoop in San Francisco for Full Ooh, Queer mm. and potentially Hood Slam, depending on how that uh, goes. So Sweet. And I think that concludes the rapid-fire plugs on my part, so thank you for having <laughs> me. Both of you.
0: No worries. Always a pleasure. As for us, uh, you can go to linktr.ee slash mustymatches for all the way, subscribe, links to the full list of nominations and much more. We are at Musty Matches on Twitter, Instagram, Mastodon, uh, what else did I do oh I did threads as well all of these are fucking dog shit platforms but we have to be there to <laughs> plug this stuff it's garbage um, I am at Kieran Edits on Twitter and Mark is at monkey underscore buckles on Twitter Elon Musk can go fuck himself oh we are also now on Blue Sky uh, you can go to at if you're on there and we have finally done something with our Discord bit.ly slash discord msm uh, come and hang out on there with us uh, I usually say every month I'm on GCP with Andy Elton reviewing uh, 1999 British Wrestling Dumpster Fire UWA Wrestling Rampage, but we've just done the last one of those. Episode 21, uh, we are done. I am free. I have your skipped. penance is over. It is the only time we will ever go back to it is if the missing episode 18 ever surfaces on the internet. Uh, that is considered lost media. Uh, So you can go to at GCP Podcast One on Twitter, or you can go to GCP on the podcast app of your choice. Uh, It is the one about wrestling, not Google Cloud products. Uh, And you can listen to us rant and rave and scream and shout about the horrific wrestling we have subjected ourselves to. We figured out because of how we did it, we've been talking about that goddamn show for a year pretty much. Jesus. Yes. And it's finally finally over as i say at the end of the episode it was much more fun to talk about than it was to watch uh have i missed a thing oh mark you have things you want to talk about go
1: yeah they're not they're not my things they're other people's things but the first thing (laughs) i first thing i want to plug is uh former guest uh cadaveri on twitter he is releasing the results of the 2023 greatest matches ever project Mm. uh so that's at k-a-d-a-v-e-r-i on Twitter and by the time this is up he should have released all of the uh all of the matches or if not he'll still have the last 10 to go mm. and that's a fascinating one to look at because uh the greatest match ever project that kind of thing where it's like people going really granular and and like Trying to watch as much as possible. Mm. That was the kind of thing I was trying not to do with musty matches. I wanted more of a off the cuff, just sort of quickly top of your head kind of project. Yeah,
0: a, a heart response rather than a head response, perhaps. Heart response yeah. rather than
1: head response. And it's fascinating comparing the two. Yeah, um, I really
0: want to see how they line up.
1: Yeah, I'm probably going to have go through both when they come out and actually have a look because there's awesome. There's definitely at least a dozen, if not more, already on both lists. Uh and yeah, so the other thing I wanted to plug was uh also for my guests, uh the Days of Thunder lads on their Patreon basically did an episode of their Thunder Request Live, which is basically uh Patreons asked them to review something. And instead of most people who uh, cruelly asked them to watch really shit wrestling on many occasions. I thought I'd give them the chance to watch some good wrestling, so I did what we called the musty mixtape, which was taking six matches from the musty matches list that Dave and or Lee had never seen before, mm. and to get their response. And it was exactly the response I was hoping for, uh, and. Uh, let's just say they're both new fans of a wrestler that I am also a big fan of now, thanks to this project.
0: Yeah, I listened to that show today. It's very good. Uh, their Twitter is at WCW Thunderpod. And if you're not already a subscriber to their Patreon, you can go to A alargemanappears.com where you can subscribe for the paltry sum, as they like to say, of five Europeans per month. Uh, to get all of their extra shows, which are very high quality, uh, big fan of their output, the free stuff, and the I subscribe to two Patreons, and theirs is one of them. Like that, it's the, the the highest endorsement I can give it. Also, they're lovely, lovely boys, tremendous stuff. So next week we are going from the most recent match that got enough nominations to appear on this podcast to the oldest match that got enough nominations to appear on this podcast. We are going back to, good Lord, it is almost exactly 40 years before the match we talked about today. September the 23rd, 1981. Bloody Fight Series, Day 29. New Japan Pro Wrestling. Andre the Giant versus Stan Hansen. And in the guest seat will be wrestling historian, author, referee, and promoter, Patrick W. Reid. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Bye.